The desire of Titus Women is to invite women around the world to know Jesus as their Savior, Center, and Source. May God guide and encourage you through this message by Vicki New. So glad to be able to be with you all tonight as we look at um, unexplained suffering and and, um, having joy of beauty from ashes in those difficult times. Um, So I'm blessed to be able to share with you tonight my story and how Jesus has helped me and walked with me in my time of personal unexplained suffering. My story is not unique. Every single one of us deals with suffering at one time or another in our lives, whether it's hardships, physical pain, illnesses, difficult or broken relationships, grief, personal struggles, addictions. The list is endless in the seasons of pain and suffering are hard. Some of you may have heard my testimony shared previously, but My story is one of unexpected suffering in the form of grief. My husband and I, along with our two grandsons, nine and six at the time, were on a fun camping trip with our friends. It was a wonderful day. The weather was perfect. But before the end of the day, my husband of 42 years died of a massive heart attack and went home to be with Jesus. It rocked my world. Things changed immediately, and my life would never be the same again. For months, I was just in survival mode. I had questions and no answers. Why did this happen? Why did God allow it? What do I do now? How can I live with this crippling pain? I had fears and uncertainties. I asked myself, how do I keep moving forward without my husband? I had difficulty making decisions. I had to figure out how to do things on my own. I was now living alone, lonely, heartbroken, and overwhelmed with pain and grief. But through it all, through the season of suffering and the darkness and the pain, the Lord was with me and he is with me. He met me. He led me. He comforted me. And on the days when I was too weak to move forward on my own, he carried me in his strength. As I've struggled in this new season of life, it's helped me to remember who God is and what he has done. I can trust the great creator. It's helped me to reflect on God's character. He is kind, loving, and compassionate. To remember God's promises. He promises to comfort me, to trust God's plans. He has a plan and a purpose for my life. To keep an eternal perspective, this world is not my home. To look to Jesus and to keep going forward, he will lead as I keep my eyes on him. And always remember, we are not alone. He is always with me. First, let's remember who God is. God is the creator of life. He founded the world by his wisdom. He stilled the seas and he calmed the storms. He provides for the needs of all he created. No one compares to him. He has no equal. He made the earth by his power. He answers our prayers. He forgives our transgressions. 
He formed the mountains. He filled the earth with his wonders. In him, all things were created. He is before all things. He is head of the church. He reconciled us through his death on the cross, holy, without blemish, free from accusation. He is the only one worthy to open the scroll. Salvation belongs to him. He sits on the throne. He is the bread of life, the light of the world, the way, the truth, and the life. He is all-knowing, possessing all power and authority. He is King of Kings, the Almighty, the Great I Am, the Healer, the Most High God. Colossians 1, 15 through 20 tells us, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. He is all sufficient. He is my source of all I need for life. He is my source of peace, of love, of wisdom, of joy, of comfort, of strength, of rest. Matthew Henry states, let us not therefore find fault with the works of God, nor prescribe to him. He did not consult us in making the world, and yet it is well made. Why should we expect then that he should take his measures from us in governing it? When I would wonder why all this suffering happens, it helps me to remember that I am the creation and not the creator. The great creator God has dominion over all things, and he is in control, not me. Things happen in our lives, both good and bad, that we simply cannot understand, but we can trust our Heavenly Father. A.W. Tozer states, to admit that there is one who lies beyond us, who exists outside of all our categories, requires a great deal of humility, more than most of us possess. We must never forget our God is trustworthy and good. He can handle all our questions, our uncertainties, our emotions, and our fears. He loves us so much, and our hardships can serve as a path to an even deeper relationship with him. When we acknowledge who God is, we can see his hand in our lives more clearly. And through faith, we can learn to see things through the eyes of Christ. Next, it helps me to remember God's character. Most of the time, we find it easier to agree that God is a good God when things are going well. But when life takes that nosedive and brings us to our knees, we sometimes question his goodness for us personally. Does he really care? Does he truly love me? That's when it's important to reflect on his character and be in the word, remembering who he is. He is kind, loving, faithful, caring, and compassionate. 
God loves us unconditionally. He loved us so much. He gave his son, Jesus Christ, to die in our place. He is compassionate, gentle, faithful, merciful, forgiving. He teaches, leads, and guides us. He daily bears our burdens. He is gracious, caring, and humble with a servant heart. He is the God of all comfort, patient, slow to anger. We are his children. He knows each of us by name. He offers us eternal life. He took our sin and our punishment on himself so we could become righteous. Our hope is in him. He gives us an eternal inheritance. He wants everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. He is forgiving, good, and abounding in love. He is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. He will never forsake us. He is dependable, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is holy, pure, and just. He is my refuge, protector, redeemer, and hiding place. Psalm 103, 8 and 11 says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. In Psalm 9, 9 through 10, the Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Those who know your name trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. A.W. Tozer states, the goodness of God disposes him to be kind, cordial, benevolent, and full of goodwill toward men. He is tender-hearted and of quick sympathy, and his unfailing attitude toward all moral beings is open, frank, and friendly. By his nature, he is inclined to bestow blessedness, and he takes holy pleasure in the happiness of his people. God's love is active, drawing us to himself. His love is personal. He doesn't love humanity in some vague sense. He loves humans. He loves you and he loves me and his love for us knows no beginning and no end. When we view things through the hurt places in our hearts, we might ask, if God loves me so much, why did he let this happen? But when we process things through the knowledge of God's love and his character, the outcome is different. We see things through God's eyes and we say, God loves me so much, therefore I have to trust he is allowing this to happen for my good and his purpose. Last summer, I went to the ballpark with my, or to watch my grandson play baseball. And in front of us was a mother and a grandmother with several small children. One little girl in particular caught my attention. She looked like she was about two or three years old and she was so cute. And she was playing with her baby doll and she'd put a diaper on it and then she'd take it off and she'd change it over and over. And the mom would continually look around to make sure she was playing close by. But one time the mother glanced around and the little girl was gone. I saw the look of panic in her face as she started looking for her little one. But over to the side of the bleachers in the shade of a big tree, There sat a man who I assumed was the grandfather. He was sitting in a lawn chair with the little one safely in his arms, sound asleep. 
And when I saw her, it made me smile because I think that's what Jesus wants us to do in our times of pain. Just snuggle in, relax, stop struggling, and just be held in his love. Mike Powers, in his book, Prayers for the Journey, states, Jesus invites us to come as we are, broken, afraid, full of disappointment, failed plans, lost dreams, full of sorrow and pain, to be touched by his grace and held in his love. Total submission, letting go, no struggling, just relax, snuggle in, and be held. We may wonder if God could possibly understand what we're going through, but the truth is God has experienced suffering to a degree that we can never imagine, and all because of his unconditional love for us. What he did for us shows he understands suffering far more than we do or ever could. Jesus took our sins and our sorrows, and he bore them on the cross. Jesus understands suffering and rejection because he endured them for our benefit. Next, it helps me to remember God's promises. We don't have to be afraid. He is always with us. He gives hope, courage, strength, and grace. He fights for us when we can't, and he protects us. He watches over all of us who love him. He is close to the brokenhearted and those crushed in spirit. He promises to give us strength when we're weary. He promises to hold us up when we're weak and unsteady. He goes before us and is always with us. He promises he will never leave or forsake us. He protects us from crushing waves and fires of life. He listens when we call to him and when we pray. He keeps us steadfast, and he gives us peace in hard and difficult times. He restores, makes us strong, firm, and steadfast in times of suffering. He promises to keep us from stumbling and make our steps firm. He promises to give us rest when we're weary and burdened. His power is made perfect in our weakness. When we hope in him, he renews our strength. His compassions for us never fail. They are new every morning. Because of his love, we are not consumed by life's trials and the things that we're dealing with. He tells us not to be anxious, but to pray about everything. And he promises to give us his peace that the world can't understand. He promises to rescue us, to protect us, to be with us in times of trouble. He is trustworthy and faithful. He promises to lift us up when we're bowed down in pain, grief, and suffering. And he is always near and hears our cries. It's been stated that there are over 7,000 promises from God in the Bible. His promises are true and he is faithful. And the list of promises I just shared along with the characteristics of God and who God is Those are found in the scripture verses that were listed in your homework if you want to dig deeper. Psalm 91, 14 through 15 tells us, Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him, I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. 
He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. Psalm 145, 13 and 14 says, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up those who are bowed down. God promises to come to those who seek him. It's okay to come to Jesus just as we are, scared, trembling, depressed, in tears. We can run into his arms that are always spread wide. I run to him in my pain and hurt, in my tiredness and weariness, in my confusion, in times of darkness, when things seem hopeless, in times of worry, anxiousness, and stress, when I am scared and frightened, when I feel alone and sad, when I want to give up and I'm discouraged or depressed, when I'm overwhelmed. He takes me in his arms and he holds me close and it's there in his arms. I feel safe, loved, comforted, strengthened, peaceful, rested, protected, and hopeful. Mary Fletcher said it so beautifully. I long to fly into the arms of my beloved Lord. I feel his loving kindness surrounds me. Next, it helps me to trust God's plans. He works all things for our good. He plans to prosper us, to give us hope and a future. He set us apart and knew us before we were born. He has a plan and a purpose for our lives. I may not understand why things happen, but I can trust his plans. He wants us to grow spiritually. He wants a personal relationship with us and for us to have eternal life with him. He is patient and wants all of us to come to repentance and surrender. He counsels us with his loving eye on us. He will make our paths straight and counsel us in the way he wants us to go. He chose us. We are his beloved. God has a plan for our lives. In times of pain and suffering, when we draw closer to Jesus, we grow spiritually. In the fall, I went to a potluck dinner at my church. A young man that I'd seen before, but I didn't know him, he stopped by my car and offered to help carry in my food. He was a very polite, nice-looking young man. Later, I found myself at a table across from him and his wife. He was very transparent, and he shared his story. He had dealt with addiction since he was a teenager. He had been homeless for almost 15 years. He said he slept on porches, under bridges, wherever he could find. The homeless shelter had given him two twin comforters that had been sewn together to make a sleeping bag. And as he slept under the bridge, he said his body heat would melt the snow beneath him, but in the morning, the melted snow would have turned to ice. Sometimes he would go to the shelter for a hot meal, but he said many times he'd burn more calories walking than he would than the food would provide for him, sometimes walking as much as two miles. Occasionally, he'd call his mother and let her know he was alive, but he didn't see his family for years. He would steal food from grocery stores and eat out of a garbage can. He stole money to buy drugs. 
He went through recovery and he's now been clean for several years. He's working and teaching Bible study at the recovery center, helping others. And he's very active in church. His testimony of Christ in his life is powerful. He showed us before and after pictures, before when he first went into recovery and after being clean for several years. And the transformation was incredible. God had a plan for this young man's life. And he is the perfect example of God bringing beauty from the ashes. God can redeem our pain and suffering for his purposes and his plans. I love this devotion from Streams in the Desert. Perhaps the circumstance in causing my sorrows will not be removed and my situation will remain the same. But if Christ is brought into my grief and gloom as my Lord and Master, he will surround me with songs of deliverance, Psalm 32, 7, to see him and to be sure that his wisdom and power never fail and his love never changes, to know that even his most distressed dealings with me are for my deepest spiritual gain, is to be able to say in the midst of bereavement, sorrow, pain, and loss, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away May the name of the Lord be praised. Job 1.21. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God has prepared work in advance for us, work that only you and only me can do, and that we can only accomplish with our own personal gifts, skills, and abilities that he's given us. Each of us is uniquely designed by God. We are of great value to him. We are his creation, his beloved, his chosen one. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. If we stay and live in our dark place of suffering, we will have a hard time accomplishing and fulfilling God's plan for us. He wants us to be his light to others, and that may not look like what we thought it would. It may be ugly and painful as we're vulnerable and transparent in sharing our stories of suffering. But as God comforts us, he wants us to comfort others. We can trust that God is carrying out his plan for our lives. Lisa Turkist in Season of Suffering states, when we seek God and spend time in prayer and in his word, we see God and see him at work and our faith and our trust grow. As our hearts are willing to trust him, he reveals himself more and more to us. What he sees, his perspective, his plans, his character, his promises, and hope for the future. Our hope is in him. Romans 15, 13 tells us, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, 
so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. In a book on grief, I was reading entitled Hope for the Aching Heart. The author, Margaret Nyman, states, If we ask the Lord to lead, and he does, we can either fight against the circumstances he brings if he chooses to take a loved one home and we dislike God's choice, or agree that his plans are best. We can obey or go our own way. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you. He knows, he's sure, he's confident they're best but he never forces us to, uh, to cooperate. He leaves it up to us. And we can know without a doubt, life will get better as we follow his lead. When our goals are shattered and things didn't turn out the way we expected or planned, God loves us and we can trust him with our pain. He guides us and he walks with us one step at a time, one day at a time. And he has a purpose and a plan for our lives. No plan that we could make for our own lives could ever be better than what Christ has laid out and planned for us. We may not understand why or the ways that he orchestrates our lives, but we can trust in his infinite wisdom. His love is eternal, sovereign, and unchanging. Next, it helps me to keep an eternal perspective and to remember that this world is not my home. Revelation 21.4 tells us he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will no longer exist. Grief, crying, and pain will exist no longer because the previous things have passed away. On the days when I'm sad and struggling, it helps me so much to focus on what's eternal and to be in God's word. And as we are in communion and prayer with our heavenly father and focus not on what we've lost or going through, but focus on a greater glory in life, our faith is strengthened. John 10, 27 through 28 says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. And our favorite, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. When I share my story, I usually say John had a wonderful last day, a day spent doing what he enjoyed, camping with his family, and his precious grandsons that he loved. It was a beautiful sunny day, lots of good food, fun, laughter, time with friends, and even getting to see his princess, our daughter Shauna, when we dropped the boys off earlier that afternoon. But the most important part of his day, before the clock struck midnight, he was face to face with his heavenly father. As I struggle with grief and pain and tears in the day-to-day, -day, it helps me when I focus on what's eternal. Suffering is for a season. It will end. The words to one of John's favorite songs, and we had sung at his funeral, say it, says it so well. There will be a day with no more tears, no more pain, and no more fears. 
There will be a day when the burdens of this place will be no more and we'll see Jesus face to face. It's so comforting to wake up with the assurance that the Lord is with me no matter what the day holds and then to lay down at night and thank him for his presence and his strength and his peace that got me through another day. There's a beautiful poem. I'm not sure who wrote it because it says anonymous, but it says, therefore I live for today, certain of finding at sunrise guidance and strength for the way, power for each moment of weakness, hope for each moment of pain, comfort for every sorrow, sunshine and joy after the rain. God's word is so important in our lives and it, help, it helps us look and focus on what's eternal. It strengthens us and helps us through the journey. In his book, Hope for Each Day, Billy Graham writes, every day I turn to the Bible to give me strength and wisdom for the day and hope for the future. Its words have seen me through good times and bad, through times of happiness and grief, health and sickness, victory and disappointment. And God's word can do the same for you. Scripture encourages us to love God more, encourages us to persevere, and reminds us to love others. John 16, 33, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world, but be courageous. I have overcome the world. Jesus understands our suffering. Jesus' suffering and death on the cross made it possible for us to no longer have to fear death. Eventually, we will be free of all suffering when we are with him in his eternal kingdom. Next, it helps me to look to Jesus and keep going forward. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18 says, Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. When we feel sad and discouraged, we find it difficult to give thanks and to praise God. But just remember what Romans 8.28 teaches us. God works for our good if we love him and we're called to his purpose. We should praise and thank God, not for our problems, but for the strength he is building in us through the difficult experiences of life. We can rest assured that God's perfect love will see us through. Romans 5, 3, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, in character hope. And when we have hope in Christ, we can hang on during the difficult days. A beautiful devotion in stream states, worrying over what we have lost or what has been taken from us will not make things better, but will only prevent us from improving what remains. When we flee to God, taking refuge beneath the shadow of his wing, we will always find more in him than we have ever before seen or known. It is through our trials and afflictions that God gives us fresh revelations of himself. 
as we go forward, there are some practical things that have really helped me personally so much that I wanted to share them with you. Number one, always keep Jesus first. Number two, be in the word. Praise him continually. Love others as he loves them. Do something, stay busy, and stay connected. In the beginning stages of grief or suffering, you're in survival mode. You're trying to understand the new season of life you're in and figure out how on earth you're going to go forward. But Jesus helps us one day at a time, one step at a time. And he's always there walking through it with us. The first thing, Jesus first, always. It helps me when I start each day with quiet time with Jesus. I encourage you to find that glory spot, as Beth calls it, a place you can curl up with your Bible, your journal, your fun pens, your highlighters, and of course, a cup of coffee and a napkin. In the first few weeks after John passed, I spent so much time in my glory spot just sitting. Some days I was so broken, I felt I couldn't concentrate or study. I only had enough energy for the pain, if that makes sense. I have a photo book that has a verse on each page with beautiful graphics and pictures. And I would just sit and turn each page, reading one verse at a time. That helped my heart so much and was so comforting. Spend time in prayer. Ask God for help when you're enduring suffering. Call on him to comfort you. Ask him to draw you closer to him and give you the strength needed for the day. Share your heart, your emotions, and your pain. Be open, be honest, be transparent. As Beth says, nothing held back, nothing held on to, and nothing between you and Jesus. Ask him to help with whatever you're dealing with, pain, hurt, emotions, fears, uncertainties. Give it all to him. Sit at his feet and listen. I'm a journaler. It helps me to write down prayers and thoughts and those spiritual nuggets that Jesus reveals. And it's also a blessing to go back later and see how God has answered the prayers of my heart. List the stressors and pray over them. I call them life stressors, things that continually pop up, those little inconveniences like a leaking roof, stopped up gutters, plumbing issues, trees that crashed in the yard last Friday during the windstorm. You know what I mean. It seems there's always something to be dealt with. It helps me to write them down and pray about them. And it's amazing to look back and see how Jesus has worked in every circumstance. Another thing I've done is I created a scripture album I made an album on my phone in my photo section of beautiful scripture graphics. I love beautiful graphics with verses. And it's been fun when I find one on Facebook or on website. And I'll screenshot it and save it in my album on my phone that I just call scripture. When I unexpectedly found myself in the hospital with my daddy, I'd sit and flip through the pictures reading the verses. God's word strengthens our hearts anytime and any place. And if you're like me, you always have your phone handy. 
And then I'll say, okay, Jesus, what do you mean you have to do today? I try to be positive and I want to say enthusiastically, okay, Jesus, let's do it. Let's get it done. But in reality, some days I just say, Jesus, I don't think I can. And he lovingly gives grace and he says, it's okay. Maybe tomorrow. When I keep Jesus first, he helps me no matter what the day holds. Secondly, be in the word. During times of suffering, it's so important to know what God's word says. Psalm 119.105 tells us, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. The more we know God's word, the more we read it, the more we study it, the more we memorize it, the more we meditate on it, the more it will strengthen us and encourage our hearts. It is our guidebook for life. Isaiah 48 tells us the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God will stand forever. Praise him continually. Colossians 2, 6 and 7 says, So then just as you receive Christ as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Each day there are things in my life that I am so grateful for. Jesus has been so good to me that it lifts my spirits when I take time to praise him. Thank you, Jesus, for the phone call from my daughter this morning. Thank you for helping me get the mowing done. Thank you. I didn't cry as much today. Thank you for the beautiful scripture verse you showed me in your word. Thank you for the sunshine and the beautiful weather, or thank you for the rain that nourishes the earth. And being a snow lover, thank you, Jesus, for the beautiful blanket of snow. And I'm still waiting for that one. We haven't had near enough snow for me. Thank you, Jesus, for the friend that sent me a text message. Thank you for the time that we had together and the memories I'll always treasure. And when I take time and really look for things to be thankful for, I can always come up with a huge list. Even looking back on the day that John passed away, we were so thankful that our grandsons were not with us when he had his heart attack. They were supposed to be with us. They were supposed to be there through Sunday. But that Friday, we drove them to Lexington that afternoon to meet Shauna because they had a baseball game that had been rained out and rescheduled for that night. We were so thankful John didn't have his heart attack while we were driving on the interstate with both of our grandsons in the truck. We were so thankful that Shauna got to see her daddy that afternoon, the day that he passed, and to give him a big hug and a kiss and tell him goodbye when we dropped the boys off. And so thankful that when Jesus called him home, he didn't suffer, but he died instantly at the end of a, a wonderful day. God's word tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. There is always something to be thankful for. Number four, it's helped me to love on others. And I found that when I'm loving on others, I'm not quite so focused on myself. It helps me when I'm caring for my mom and dad or call a friend that's having a hard time, send a note of encouragement to someone. 
take a meal to someone that's had a death in the family or someone that's sick or someone having a hard time. Praying over all the ones on my prayer list. And okay, don't laugh at this one, but loving on my cats. Sometime during COVID or somehow during COVID, I allowed both my sweet little grandsons to talk me into getting two little kittens. And they have really been company. On the other side of me loving on others is receiving love from others. So often it's the little things that mean the most, the loving, comforting, and encouraging. Some of the things that stand out in my mind, my daughter, son-in-law, and grandson staying with me for nearly two weeks after John passed away. The friend that drove all the way from Ohio for the funeral visitation, and not only that, spent the night, then came back the next day for the funeral. I don't remember words we shared, but I definitely remember her presence and the sacrifice of her time to be there. It was the cards I got in the mail with not just a name signed, but inspiring, encouraging notes, messages, and scriptures letting me know others were thinking about me and praying for me. It was walking into my mother-in-law's home after leaving the funeral home and the heartbreaking job of making arrangements and smelling spices and garlic as my niece had prepared an amazing meal for us. It was the text messages that let me know someone was thinking about me. I'd be sitting in silence in an empty house and hear my cell phone ding someone was reaching out. It was FaceTiming with my daughter, son-in-law, and grandsons as they said, we just wanted to see your face. It was the friend that called and said, are you home? I'm bringing over some vegetable soup and, and homemade bread and I'll be there in 10 minutes. It was friends and family providing a huge meal for our family after the funeral and taking time to ask, what was John's favorite color? And they had made a special effort to have every table with a royal UK basketball uh, blue tablecloth on each table. It was my good friends that spent the whole day helping me mow grass, weed eat, and work in the yard. It's the friends who drive over and feed my dogs when I'm not home. It's loving and the little practical things that mean so much in times of hurt and suffering. It's some of those little things I will never forget. And there's so many more that I haven't mentioned. It makes me want to try harder to love on others the way I was loved on, the way others were the hands and feet of Jesus to me. Second Corinthians 1, 3 through 4 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. We are drawn to beauty, to people who slosh over with the love of Jesus and exhibit the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. We love beautiful Jesus homes with scripture on the walls that are restful and the minute you walk in, you feel welcomed in the presence of Jesus. And I love Hobby Lobby. It's my happy place. Just walking around, enjoying the beauty with Christian music playing softly. We love what's beautiful. But we shy away from things that aren't beautiful. 
The ashes of suffering can be messy, dark, and dirty. What do I say to her? She cries all the time. She's so needy, and I have my own problems. All she wants to talk about is her struggles and her suffering. She makes me sad and depressed when I'm with her. I just don't have time. My presence really won't change things. It's draining and exhausting being with her, and it drags me down. She's got others that will help her. Do you ever think this about someone? I wonder if anyone has ever thought that about me. But God never does. He carries my burdens for me. He's always there for me, even in the darkest time, with times when things are messy and ugly. And only God can bring beauty out of the ashes of pain and suffering. We do not want those we love to go through times of suffering and trials. We want to shield them, to protect them, but we can't. It's the very trials of life that develop character, steadfastness, and knowledge of our inadequacy in God's all-sufficiency, our need for him, and our hope in him. It's important to be thankful for the opportunities God gives us to come alongside others and to give comfort and hope to them. The support and love we receive from others is crucial, especially those that have gone through it before and know exactly what we're going through. Uh, last fall, I went to a widow's conference, and someone had told me about a friend of theirs who was a widow, and she wrote beautiful Christian devotions on Facebook, and she thought it might be encouraging to my heart. While I was following her on Facebook, she posted about an upcoming conference she and another lady would be leading. It was at a church a couple hours away, but I decided to go. I didn't know anybody that I could ask to go with me, so I went by myself. But as I, I almost turned around before I got there, but I talked myself into going on. And what a blessing it was to my heart. At the beginning, each lady was very quiet and reserved. We didn't know each other. But the leader would ask each of us questions and ask us to share a story. There weren't very many there. And by the end of the day, we were crying together, praying together, and laughing together over some of the silly, sentimental things that we do in this new season of widowhood. Others that had been comforted reaching out to comfort others. And one of the most important things I've learned we can do is just be present. Sometimes simply being present is the greatest comfort of all. The fifth thing is to do something, to stay busy. Being busy makes me feel useful, needed, productive. I encourage you to find something to do that you enjoy. Read your Bible, study, pray, Join a Bible study, start a project, exercise, get involved in church activities, work in the yard, read a book. Titus has many wonderful books for your Jesus library. For me, working on a publishing project or design project. Go visit a friend and have coffee or lunch together. Take a trip or just go for a drive in the country. Number six, stay connected. Don't isolate yourself. Sometimes in the beginning stages of grief or when you're in a season of suffering, it's so hard to be with others. You just want to be alone. You don't want to have to put up a front that everything is okay. 
So there's a tendency to withdraw into your pain. There were many days I just wanted to pull the covers up over my head and just stay in bed, not face the day. But Jesus would help me in my weakness, just leaning on him and sitting with him. And family and friends continually reached out, not leaving me alone to wallow in my self-pity and darkness. A phone call every morning from my daughter as she takes the boys to school. FaceTiming with my grandsons. They even FaceTimed their basketball game that I couldn't be at. Text messages, beautiful cards, my church prayer group, and my precious Titus sisters. Phone calls, friends stopping by. These are just some of the things that helped me through the hard days. I read a lot of books on grief and suffering. Some were helpful, but most were not. But the ones I gravitated to were simply widows sharing their stories and how, how, how Christ helped them through. The one thing that helped me more than anything else then and now is Christ in my life walking beside me each and every day. And finally, it helps me to remember that we are never alone. In suffering and times of grief, sometimes we feel so alone. Others may reach out for a time, but then we're left to face the reality on our own. But always remember that nothing can separate us from God's love. Romans 8, 35 through 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered a sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from a love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. It's so hard to know what to say to someone who's grieving and lost someone they love. What do you say when you go through the funeral line? I'm sorry for your loss. Or what do you say the first time you see them out? One thing that does stand out in my mind, and I will always remember, my very first Sunday back at church, Everyone was so kind and loving and coming up to hug and cry with me. And I, as I was sitting in the pew that John and I had shared for years, an elderly gentleman came up to me. I didn't know him very well, and I don't even know his name. He always sat by himself, and he was very quiet. But he walked up, and he shook my hand, and he said, you are not alone. That's all. He walked back to his seat. Four little words spoken softly that were so impactful. I am not alone. He knew exactly what to say to a hurting heart. We are never alone. The Lord is always with us and he loves us so much. Ephesians 3, 16 through 19. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people 
to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. We are not meant to do life alone. My heavenly father is with me, beside me, holding my hand tightly. I am not alone. His presence is with me. He holds me in his arms as I cry. He comforts me. He hides me in the shelter of his wings. And as I go forward day by day, I am not alone. He is with me. We experience his comfort, not necessarily when suffering has ended or the pain is gone, but because God walks beside us, he continually strengthens and encourages us. And he's brought family and friends into my life to walk beside me. The comfort of someone's presence makes a big difference when we're suffering. Someone who loves and cares for us no matter what, even in the messy places. When we face suffering and pain, the God of all comfort meets us where we are. And quite often the way he meets us is through family, friends, and his church. The comfort he provides is not just for our benefit. He wants us to extend that same comfort to others through us. We can be channels of his comfort and his love into the lives of others. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 7 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings that we suffer. And our hope for you is firm. Because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. Prayer support is so important. Knowing others are standing before the throne of God in prayer for us is comforting in the most difficult times. Help others, love on them, pray, encourage, comfort, be available, listen, share your story, and just be present. It's how we live through our troubles in our trials that often have the most influence on others, but it's also about bringing thanks, praise, and glory to the one who makes all the difference in our lives. It's been three and a half years since John went home to be with Jesus. Someday it seems like yesterday. Grief is ongoing, but it does change over time. When my daughter, son-in-law, and grandsons took me to the beach with them over fall break, it was a wonderful time, but seeing the ocean without John was hard. One thing I've learned, the ocean is alive and ever-changing, and grief and suffering are also alive and ever-changing. They are like the ocean storms that come up unexpectedly. Some days you sit on the beach admiring the beauty, enjoying the sunshine, and relaxing in the calmness of the day. And then suddenly the skies turn dark and the waves crash over your soul, dragging you underwater where you can't breathe and you feel like you're drowning. You struggle to the shore, exhausted, weak, and barely alive. It's just like grief and suffering. Some days are calm, some days are stormy, 
Some days you're doing okay. Other days you feel like you're crippled with pain and about to die. The journey through grief is, and suffering is hard, exhausting, and painful. Jesus is our hope and our anchor who will keep us in the midst of the storms. He is the one who is able to keep us steadfast and immovable in spite of the tides of life. My daughter stated, no matter how high the waves become or how strong the winds blow, we have an anchor, Jesus Christ. When we cling tightly to him and his truths, we'll be able to weather the storms. Hebrews 6.19 declares, hope we have as an anchor of our soul, both sure and steadfast. And the NIV version says firm and secure. Anchored to Christ in constant faith, steadfast belief, hope, and love. Matthew Henry says we must all humble ourselves to the mercies of God and recognize our need to be anchored in the Lord. There is no perfection in life this side of heaven. There will be struggles, pain, difficulties, and suffering. But Christ is our anchor that holds us steady, shows us joy, gives us peace, and brings beauty out of the ashes. I love this quote, and I had written it in my journal. I'm not sure who wrote it. We can rest assured that though the journey will be hard, we will be held. Our suffering is an opportunity for Jesus to reveal himself to us and to others. In our suffering, only God can be with us every minute of every day. In the Bible study Beth led on Zechariah, I wrote some notes down in my journal. Is our suffering a gift we give to God and go forward? Or do we turn our back and run from God? He makes our suffering redemptive. In our dark days of suffering, do our lives and our faces reflect the glory of God in us? God loves us and cares about the nitty-gritty details of our lives. And God can take the hurt places and redeem it for good. Quitting and giving up during times of suffering is always easier than enduring. But our character is revealed when life does not turn out as we had planned. John and I had dreams, goals, excitement about the future. We had a bucket list of things we wanted to do and we wanted to accomplish. We had no plan B. What happens when plan A fails? When Jesus meets us where we are, do we tell others what he's done for us? Do we share our story? When everything is gone and stripped away, all but God, can we say Jesus is enough? When life is good and going smoothly, we feel confident like we're in control and we have all the answers. But when suffering hits, the reality is only God has the answers and only God is in control. All we can do is submit to him, trust him, and cast our burdens on him who loves us unconditionally. When we have nothing left and we feel we can't go on, we have God. And through it all, Jesus comes to us when we call out to him. When we're frightened, the one who walks on water comes in the darkness and calms the storms of our hearts. He gives us his peace instead of fear. He gives us strength in our weakness. He upholds us with his righteous right hand when we can't stand on our own. He upholds us. He holds us when we're lonely. He dries our tears. He comforts us when we're sad and hurting. He listens. He cares. 
and he loves us with an unconditional love. He is there for us every single day, every step of the way. We are not alone. As I stated earlier, we all go through seasons of unexpected suffering, unwanted suffering. Personally, I'm going through another another season of suffering as I'm caregiver for my elderly parents, 88 and 93. And my sweet daddy is dealing with dementia. It's a new season and another journey that's very hard and difficult, but I won't go through it alone. God is with me. We may not understand and our questions may never be answered this side of heaven, but we can trust the one whose heart is good and who is completely trustworthy. And we must choose to trust. Trust even when we don't see how God is at work in our lives, even in spite of the situation and the things that we encounter, trust him. Pray that he would strengthen your faith as you go through the hardships and the difficulties. We can trust him with everything we're going through today and everything we will go through tomorrow. Be in the word, dig into the scripture and see what God has revealed about his nature and his character and who he is. Tell your story. Look for the opportunities to tell someone else why you trust God, even when you're walking the road of suffering. Encourage others who are also struggling. Every part of life, including the difficulties and the suffering, suffering is an opportunity to glorify God. We don't need to honor the pain and the darkness that we may have been through, but we should consider how we can use those times to share our story as a way to honor the one who walks beside us. We should share our story of how God helps us each day. We should tell the next generation, tell your loved ones how much you love them, Tell your children and grandchildren how proud you are of them. Psalm 66, 16, let me tell you what he has done for me. Amy Carmichael states, I don't want to leave anything unsaid because now I realize I may not have the opportunity to say it tomorrow. We might wonder what good can ever come from the pain and the difficulties we face. But times of suffering and going through the trials of life can be opportunities to point others to Christ and to offer him thanks, praising him for loving us unconditionally, for his presence with us, and for walking with us each day at our side. Everything we do and say is a reflection of Jesus in us. Even when we face hardship and suffering, we can still reflect and glorify Jesus. We are merely broken clay vessels, but we are carriers of the world's most important message everywhere we go. I love Beth's illustration of the little donkey that carried Jesus into the city. And as she says, we are carriers of his presence. Whether we're happy and life is wonderful or we're going through hard days of suffering and pain, we are carriers of Jesus's presence. Pain and suffering hit us all. It may be for a brief time, but for others, pain is something they've lived with for years. And many of us are walking through pain and suffering right now. What keeps us from giving up when life gets hard? We endure because he has shown us mercy and grace. We endure because it draws us closer to God as we keep focused on him. We endure because it displays the power of God and the life we have in him. 
It's my prayer that as I've shared my story through grief, that it's brought glory to God. And maybe something has been said that will be helpful and encourage you in your own struggles. Suffering is different for each of us, but I'm so thankful we all have Christ Jesus to go through the suffering with us. And we are never alone. And as we go through the seasons of suffering and pain, we need to remember who God is and what he has done. We can trust the great creator. Reflect on his character. He loves us unconditionally. Remember his promises. He will never leave or forsake us. Trust his plans for our good and his purposes. Keep an eternal perspective. This world is not our home. Look to Jesus and keep going forward. Walk daily with him. And always remember, we are not alone. I'm going to close this with prayer from Isaiah 61, 1 through 3. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Thank you, Jesus, for your word that feeds our soul and encourages our hearts. Thank you for walking with us every day, no matter what we're dealing with. Help our eyes keep, help us to keep our eyes fixed on you, Lord, our hope anchored in you, and to trust your leading as we go forward each day. Amen.